Amen. Well, God, pray that God will help our church be that church that it needs to be in these kind of times in which we're living in. Uh, have any of you been hot this week? If you've been hot this week, would you raise your hand? Okay. Uh, it's only get worse, so hang in there, okay? It's a good time to preach on hell, so I'm thinking about doing that, make advantage of the time. And But anyway, it's good to see you here on this hot day, and football season is around the corner. Amen. I've seen a change in Nick Saban. I think he's been saved. I see him uh, on those. Uh, when he meets the press, he usually goes away with screaming at him and does his rants but he walked away with a smile so maybe god has changed nick saban's life i think he bought an island in florida or something so maybe that changed his life but anyways good to see you. uh good to see murray and murray is having a birthday this week uh when um i've always wanted to be when i grow up i want to be just like murray and um he's been a kind of father figure to me i mean we've been at elkdale and so we're glad to have him. Paul, Paul also has a birthday, and he's, he's not a father figure to me, but I'm glad he's here serving in this church and also at Morgan Academy. Now, if you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to uh, John chapter 5? John chapter 5. John's a dynamic personality in the New Testament. Uh, John is in 90 years old when he writes this gospel. He not only wrote the gospel, but he wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. He also wrote the book of Revelation. So John uh, was those kind of person that kind of waited when everybody else had gone to sleep. And uh, there was by the fireside, and he and Jesus would talk. And those were dynamic times in his life. And so he writes, he's, he's the last apostle left, so he wants to make sure that these incidents, and he gives us seven incidents from chapter 2 on to chapter 11, how Jesus had a personal encounter with people. And he came to places, of unexpected places, he kind of showed up. And there he gave hope to hopeless situations. And he's still giving hope to hopeless situations. What he did then, he still does now. But John, something happened to John's life. He was kind of searching for something to put his life together. He uh, was a fisherman in the fishing business. His father was a fisherman, and his brother was a fisherman. But he just didn't fit right in the fishing business. And there was this, this kind of longing in his heart that was looking for something to put his life together. And so he followed John the Baptist. And when he followed... John the Baptist, he, John the Baptist pointed to Jesus and said, Behold, the Lamb of God takes away the sin of the world. And he and Andrew left John the Baptist and followed Jesus. And Jesus looked around at him and saw him and he says, What are you looking for? And John says, We want there's something in our life. We need to sit down with you and kind of give us a kind of direction. And Jesus said this invitation with a promise. And it's one of the primary themes in John. Come and see. Come and see. Invitation come. Promise see. Come and see what God can do in your life that you can't find anywhere else. But uh, John was kind of looking for his purpose. And he finally found that purpose. And he mentions the very hour that he met Christ. The very time that he met Christ. And his life was changed forever. 
But he didn't have, seem to have this kind of purpose. And sometimes we kind of go here and go there and we're looking for purpose. And some people don't find their purpose till later on in life. And sometimes they find it early in life. Sometimes they're looking for that kind of purpose that can kind of put their lives together. When I was uh, in a place called Nashville, Nashville, I wasn't up there to cut a record or anything like that, but I was up there in Nashville for a Southern Baptist uh, uh, meeting for the Education Commission of the Southern Baptist Convention. And I got there early, and when I got there early, uh, I went up to see the Capitol and, and uh, saw the uh, president there, Pope, James Polk. I didn't know that much about James Polk. I never had his picture on my refrigerator, so I didn't know very much about him. But there in Nashville, the Capitol, they got his, uh, all this about him and Andrew Jackson. And so I'd watch that, it was about time for my meeting. So as I was walking by this post office, a crowd of folks came running out of that post office. And there was one large lady who had this uh, tight dress on, and she was red in the group in high heels, and she was just running out of that group. And so I, I in Vietnam, I learned that you run, and then you find out why later. Just <laughs> out of and so I, I was running by this um, rather large lady with a tight dress and high heels on. And as I was running, I said, I turned to her and I said, why are we running? Which I thought was a very important question. And she said this, in between breath, he has a gun. So when she said that, I redoubled my efforts and I ended up leaving her behind back here in the high heels. Because uh, it gave me a little more purpose in my run. Uh, when I run, some guy had gone crazy in the post office and was shooting at people. And so I got out of there as quick as I could and get to my meeting. But now I added purpose to my running. Because purpose. Without purpose, it's kind of a run in this direction and in that direction and in this direction. Some people, it takes a long time. John found his very early in life. And as a teenager, he found out what God's purpose was him. And he made a decision. That's important to make a decision. What makes you a Christian? Is it baptism? No, that's not what makes you a Christian. Although you need to be baptized. Does coming to church make you a Christian? No, it doesn't come to church. That's good that you come to church, and you ought to come to church. And it's God's program for the ages. And one of these days, he's going to ask you, what have you done in my church? Where is the place that you found a place to fill in in that church? Or where is it? Is it reading your Bible? Although you need to read your Bible. But all of those do not make you a Christian. What makes you a Christian is that commitment of faith in Jesus Christ. It's a choice you have to make. And sometimes it's hard to make that choice because we would rather balance here and balance there and stay here and stay there and and how could we just bring it together and making a choice? And so many people are saying, I'll wait till later or I'll do something later. But it's making that choice now. And it's choosing in this world with so many options, and it has a lot of options, to say, I want to follow Jesus Christ. One of the illustrations that I've got from Billy Graham, and Billy Graham says this about a soldier doing the uh, Confederate in, in during the uh, Civil War who couldn't decide whether he was for the North or wouldn't, couldn't decide whether he was for the South. So he wore a blue coat and gray pants. And both sides ended up shooting at him. Amen. 
Because making a choice, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. And John made that decision. John not only made that decision for Christ, it changed his life. Because you can't invite Christ into your life without having that change that comes with him. It's not a whatever you want to do, that's okay. It's not a convenient kind of thing. It's a commitment. He changes your language. He changes the way you react. And last week we talked about that. Actions speak louder than words. But reactions really speak louder than words. And when you're and I are pressed, what comes out of us? That's what's really inside of us. So John not only made a choice, but he made a change in his life. And he became a different person. He used to be called the son of thunder. That's what Jesus called him. He had this kind of anger problem that kept coming up in his situation. And yet Christ so changed his life that he became the disciple of love. Nobody wrote more about God's love than John did. God had changed him from this angry individual to one who shared Christ's love wherever he went. And he not only made that uh, choice and he made that, that commitment, but he also had, took up the challenge. And there was a time when he tried to go back to his boats. He kept going back to his fishing business. Sometimes we go back to things that we used to be part of. Sometimes we feel comfortable going back to some of those old lives and those old things, and they pull us back. And he went back to his boats, and Jesus told him to from follow me. He saw him in the, in the Sea of Galilee, and John and Peter gave up their boats and followed Jesus. That is, you give up one thing in order to receive another thing. And you can't carry both of them in there. No man can serve two masters. That's the scripture against polygamy. Amen? No man can. You didn't get that at all. It just went right over your head. You're asleep, so just hang in there with me, okay? The Lord doesn't say, you can choose this, you can bring this in. No, no man can serve two masters. No woman can serve two masters. So John did that, and he followed Christ, and he tells about these stories that we've been going through that Nobody else seems to tell about it. He tells about Nicodemus who came to Jesus by night. Nicodemus had this pull in his heart and he knew Jesus was real. And so Jesus gives him that story. At the end of that, he deals with him. He says, gives him John 3.16, which is the greatest verse he could hang on to. But Nicodemus kind of backed away. He was just about there, just about to make that move. And he kind of pulled away. Later on in chapter 19, He's going to come out of the closet and show the public that he belongs to Jesus Christ. But it took him a while. The woman at the well was a woman who was an angry person. She was very angry. And she had experienced a rejection from five husbands. And she had dropped her standards. And now the person that she had moved in with was not even her husband. Jesus talked to her like he never talked to Nicodemus. He came at Nicodemus but he was a very fragile kind of human being. And so he talked to her and talked to her about living water. And then he talked to her about going to get your husband. And she said, I don't have any husband. You're right. When Jesus gets here, he's going to put it all together. That's what she said. And he said, 
I am. First time he had revealed himself as I am. And she left the water pot, went to the city. She was drifting in life, and God, Jesus Christ, gave her direction. And that's what he does with our lives. Last week we saw the man who was a government official, and the government official wanted Jesus to save his son because his son was dying of a fever. And so he comes to Jesus, and Jesus says, you guys won't believe. You won't believe unless you see miracles. And something happened to him because we worship Christ not only for what he can do for us, but who he is. And he said, you won't believe. And he said, sir, Lord, your Lord. And Jesus healed his son from a distance. And when we pray for people that are not here, in our location, we can know that he can reach out in distant places and do his work when we pray for them. Now, today he is at the Pool of Bethesda. Um, all of this is my introduction. Are you ready for my sermon? <laughs> okay. I know the roast is burning, so I'll try to get you out of here before the Methodists get up. But anyway, uh, look at chapter 5. And honor God's word, would you stand, okay? Would you stand? After this, and after this was when he had healed the um, public official's son. After this, he is in a place called um, Nazareth or Cana, and he he comes down from Cana and he goes to Jerusalem. The word Jerusalem was what David put on that Jerusalem, the city of peace. City of peace. And it's ironic that the city of peace is going to reject the prince of peace. There was a feast of the Jews and Jesus went up. Whenever you left, wherever you leave from Israel, you always go up geographically to Jerusalem. Now, there was in Jerusalem by the sheep gates where they brought the sheep in. A poo, which is called in the Hebrew tongue, Bethesda. That John interprets that for us. And it had five porches. It's kind of like going to the emergency room at the hospital on the weekends, on nights, and you see all these kind of people that are there that need help. And so he says, Verse 3, there lay a great multitude. Some of you may not have that in your scripture, but these are from the older scriptures and, and of sick, kind of blind and lame and paralyzed. And they were waiting for the water to be moved. And there was this kind of tradition that when the water moved, it was time to get in the water, and the first one there would be healed. So John explains that. Verse 4, for an angel went down to a certain city, season to the poo, and troubled the water, whoever then first, after the troubling water, stepped in and was made well, whatever the disease. Verse 5, there was a man that was there. And he was an invalid. He was paralyzed. And a certain man was there who had a paralysis 38 years. Can you imagine that? 38 years. He was suffering, and he had been by that poo. And when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had been there and knew that he had thus now been there a long time, he said unto him, do you want to be made well? And that's an important question. Do you want to stay where you are? 
Or do you want to go where Jesus wants you to go? Some people say, I want to stay where I am. I'm very comfortable where I am. I don't want to move. Come will or come woe, my status is quo, and I'm going to stay right here where I am. Important question for marriage is do you want to make your marriage work? If you don't want to, and I've been there so many times in counseling sessions, you don't want it to work, it won't work. But if you want it to work, we can put this thing together with Christ's help. So God healed a man, Christ healed a man who had been there for 38 years. May God bless the reading of his word. You've been standing up a long time. I appreciate your patience. Now, this man was a victim in a lot of ways. In a lot of ways, he was a victim of paralysis. Something had just died inside. Something had died in his legs, and he couldn't move his legs. And so he had this paralysis. Now, every paralysis is not a, comes from sin. But I remember sitting on a porch in Thomaston where I was a pastor for three years. And I really appreciate those people in Thomaston. They were very uh, gracious and patient with me as a pastor. But I'd sit there with Mr. Pete. Mr. Pete um, would sit there with his oxygen on. He had his oxygen and, and he smoked uh, cigarettes and he'd smoke that cigarette and this is what he smoked he smoked picayunes have you ever heard of picayune that's the worst kind of cigarette you get like sucking up the pipe of an 18 wheeler or something <laughs> like that and so he sm- he'd been smoking since he was 11 years old so mr pete would after a while get tired of his auction he would uh <laughs> take his picayune cigarettes and he asked me to light them i said no uh, mr pete i'm you're gonna have to light your own cigarettes i'm I'm pastor here, but that's not one of my pastoral jobs, go around lighting uh, cigarettes. But anyway, especially pickings. But uh, so he'd light his cigarette and he'd smoke it and he'd get through it and throw it out in front of the, for the front porch and then he'd get his oxygen. And then he, he asked me, um, why did God do this to me? And I just changed the subject. I would. Uh, Mr. Pete, you're where you are because you have chosen to be where you are. And you've made some wrong choices. Now, here's a man with paralysis, but and he tells him later on, if you need to get away from that sinful condition, whatever that is, the alcohol or whatever it is, is pulling him back into his life, has caused the condition that he's in, but he is paralyzed. So he's a victim of paralysis. And my heart goes out to people that are victims of paralysis. But he's not only a victim of paralysis, he's a victim of the fact that he is the last one to get into, he can't get into the pool. It's a system that that, uh, rewards those who get ahead and punishes those who don't get ahead. And we live in that kind of world that if you have the kind of appearance you ought to have or if you're academically there you kind of get ahead or whatever you're a good business person you kind of get ahead and all these blessings comes your way because you get ahead and that person who is a victim of those paralysis and is not able to get ahead they kind of left there behind and he had watched so for 38 years he had watched and somebody else always got ahead of him 
And he didn't watch that. She, it's not fair. It's not fair to those to get ahead. It's not fair that you have blessed them and haven't blessed me. And sometimes we get a question of God. Why, why are they getting blessed and I'm still here and I'm not getting blessed and I'm sitting here watching those to get ahead and I'm still left behind? And sometimes that can really eat on you and you can wonder about where is God in the middle of this? How come he's healing all these other people and, and, and left me here and I'm still stuck with this paralysis? And it's kind of a disappointing kind of situation. So finally it seems the man just after 38 years, he just gave up. And disappointment can do that to us. We can be so disappointed. I thought this was the time. I thought this was the time. I thought this was the time. But it turns out and you get your enthusiasm up and boom, it comes back down. And I hope that doesn't happen to Auburn this year. Amen. I just kind of throw that in. I hope we can be enthusiastic and we have people in the fourth quarter that are still in the stands. Amen. That's always been a kind of problem. But he is a victim also of a religion. A religion that ignores those who can't get in the pool. And it cries out like something must be wrong with you, obviously. And that's not the case. And the religion they have is a kind of religion that says you worship on the Sabbath or you're not saved. And if you don't worship on the Sabbath, then it's good to be worshiping on the Sabbath. But you're not saved. There's another area that you take it to. So after a while, he just quit trying. He just watched it happen. And he got deeper and deeper into disappointment, anxiety. And sometimes that happens. Now, what he's gotten to be is kind of frozen in place. And I heard about the uh, Federal Trade Commission or the Federal Airline Commission or something like that. They were worried about airplanes that were uh, taking off and all these birds would shatter the fuselage and hit against the window. So they said they need to do something about that and training pilots how to handle those kind of situations. So uh, they went them in the sim- put them in the simulator and and then they would take off in the simulator, and then they went and bought a bunch of turkeys. Turkeys, that's what they did. And they threw those turkeys from a shooter. They threw them up against the uh, glass of the plane, fuselage of the plane. And the first one they threw up in there, they just went through the window and hit the pilot upside the head and gave him a concussion. So they decided this, that before we shoot those turkeys in the air, we need to thaw them out. Amen. You don't. <laughs> Frozen turkeys. <laughs> Frozen turkeys are tough to deal with. Right? Now, um, I've met some frozen turkeys in church sometimes. You ever met any of those frozen turkeys? All right, look at the person next to you. Do they look like a frozen turkey? Amen. But they can get kind of hard to deal with. They just You need to thaw them out somehow. So here's this man in his condition. The water hadn't been stirred. He had been left behind. He wasn't the one who got there. 
and he just kind of quit. And he had an attitude. He had a dirty, rotten attitude. You know anybody that's got a dirty, rotten attitude? And he was kind of angry and mad and holding things and grudges. And he wondered where God is in the middle of that. And all of a sudden, Jesus showed up. He kind of shows up in unexpected places at unexpected times. In hopeless and helpless situations. All of a sudden, he's there. I think it's important to know that he was there among the suffering. Because sometimes we avoid suffering. We want only healthy people. We deal with only healthy, beautiful um, people that are athletically good. We like healthy, athletic people that can do push-ups. Amen? That's push-ups. And so we kind of shy away from those who are not healthy. And he's, but Jesus shows up. He shows up among the unhealthy. That portico, that stream was there. It means Bethesda, which my son, my grandson was born in Bethesda Naval Hospital. The word Bethesda means house of mercy. But it can also mean a, a further older term was two streams, place of two streams. And it was right next to the sheep gate where right close to where the, the temple mount was. And so they'd run these sheep down through that stream at one time and get them ready to go be sacrificed in the temple. But things had changed when Herod came along. Herod made that a kind of place where the rich and the, um, those with a lot of money and those in the upper crust had made this, Herod made this a place where you could sit by the pool and take it easy. And so he extended it to five porches. But sooner or later, they, uh, the rich kind of stayed away and the suffering came there. And the tradition rose up among a stirring of the pool and the first one in would be healed. And so all these people are on this porch and they're waiting. And why did he pick this man out? I mean, it doesn't say why he picked this man out. Because there were others that needed healing. And you cannot explain about why this one is saved and this person over here is not saved. Susan and I prayed for our friends. One of our close friends, his son, had a uh, leg was bothering him. He went in this kind of uh, coma and, and we prayed for him. I mean, we prayed hard for him. And we just thought about this is going to be a great testimony for the, the fact that he was saved out of his condition in um, driving in a log truck and he went through the window and that, and that just uh, cut him all up. And so we prayed for him. And we went to Birmingham and sat beside him. I went in his room and he was in that coma and I prayed for him. And later on he passed away. I want to say, God, why? And I'll never know. And you'll never know why those things didn't happen the way you wanted them to happen. So Jesus shows up with this man. There were a whole crowd of people that he went through, but he comes to this man. And if you have your Bibles, look at verse 6. And you see what Jesus did with him. When Jesus saw him, and the word there is very important because 
We pass by people every day. Last week when I came here, there was some, uh, it was a black man crawling out of the garbage dump. And I just passed by him. Because we get used to passing by people. But Jesus saw him. He saw him and he fixed his gaze on him. He saw him and lying there and he knew that he had been there for a long time. Now 38 years was the amount of years that Israel was in the desert. So this is kind of a typical kind of picture of Israel. They're just lying there. They've got all these rules and regulations but they are not representing God. And so when you're not representing God, God has some other things for you to do. And he reaches out to this man, just like he's still reaching out to Israel and sending them his son. So he reaches out and he says, it's been around a long time. And he says to him, you want to be made well? And again, that's a big question. Do you want to be? No, I'm comfortable. I have a Christianity that does for me what I want to do. I don't want to take it to another level. If I take it to another level, then I'll have to give up some things in my life, and I don't want to give up some things in my life. So I'll be a comfortable Christian and just leave it here. I don't want to be moved. I'm happy being here where I am. I'm happy filling my pew, leaving here, going home, doing this, doing the rest of the week, and then Sunday putting on my Sunday stuff and then coming there with my Sunday attitude. And I don't want to be, it's comfortable for me and I can live like this and stay like this. Do you want to be made well? And the Lord says, we got to take it to another level. And that's a big question. And where you are today, do you want to be made well? Do you want to stay where you are and hold on to the way things are? Leave it like this? But there's so many blessings that God has. Abraham, if stayed, he had stayed in Ur of the Chaldees, would have missed out on the experience that God gave him in Palestine. Moses, if he had stayed where he was in Midian in the desert out there, he would have just stayed where he was and never would have been the one who led the children of Israel out of, out of Egypt. Peter, if he had just stayed where he was, he, he would have never been the, the apostle that the Lord had for him. He had never preached that pen sermon on Pentecost oh, Paul Paul was there and Paul gave up being a Pharisee to being the world's greatest missionary who ever lived I would hate and that's a strong one I would hate to arrive in heaven and the Lord show me this is what your life could have been if you had totally given yourself to me, I want to avoid that. Whatever it takes, Lord, whatever it takes to get my attention, whatever it takes to move me in the direction you need to move me, then I want to be in that place that you prepared for me and never let me get to that place where I say no and turn around and walk in a different direction like the rich young ruler. And he came to Jesus running and he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And he was anxious to find it out. And he said, I've done all the commandments, which is his idea. And Jesus looked at him because he loved him. He looked at him and he loved him. And he said, there's one thing that you lack. He didn't tell this to everybody. This is what's missing in your life. 
This is what you refuse to do. Sell all that you have and come and follow me. And he turned around and walked away. And Jesus didn't go after him and say, wait a minute, I'll change it. He never changed it. These are the standards. This is what you need. And this is what I call for. Not comfortable. Because God never blesses anybody that's comfortable. He blesses us in our commitment. Now, there was a little boy who uh, grew up on a farm. And as he grew up on a farm, money was scarce. And so he had a hard time uh, making ends meet. But he saw into town that there was a circus coming to town. And, and as he saw the town, he wanted to go to that circus. And so he went to his dad. And it cost a dollar to go to that circus. And so he didn't know where to get the money in. They didn't have that much money. It was just hard times. So his dad worked an extra kind of place, chopping wood, and he brought him, made him that dollar, and he gave it to his son. Son, you go to that circus. I want you to go there. And so the son came in town looking so far. And when they did, they were having this parade in town, and there were all these uh, clowns and uh, giraffes and all these things that the parade was coming in and and finally it got the he was just fascinated with that parade and so finally his um, uh, last clown came by and he took out his dollar and he handed it to the clown and said that was a great show but this is what happened he watched the parade and listened to his principal and he missed the main event it's possible be in a parade and to be fascinated by the parade and miss that main event. You want to be made well. Would you bow your head with me as we go to the Lord in prayer? Father, come to us where we are and help us to hear your voice. Maybe some need to come down and move their membership and be a part of this church. Maybe some need to say, I want to give up this comfortable and I will really sell out to the Lord. Maybe some haven't been baptized and you need to be baptized. Maybe you baptized before you accepted Christ and you need to be baptized after. Whatever that decision, that invitation time is now time for you to get your heart right with the Lord. And he says, do you want to be made well? Jesus said to the man, rise, pick up your bed, and you walk. The word there is anastasis, stand up, step out, stand up for me. Whatever that decision in your life, let the Lord speak to you. And it's one thing in knowing what to do. It's another thing in doing what you know he wants you to do. Father, be with us today. Be with us at invitation time. Help us to hear your voice, not just to hear it, but to do it. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.